You're listening to a podcast from Northeast Christian Church. For more information about Northeast, go to ncclex.org. Thanks for listening. This is what happens this time of year, right? We start to look back on the past year and we evaluate all the things that that happened and the good things and we kind of address some of the difficult things. And then at some point we pivot and we start looking toward the future. 2019 is right around the corner. And we start to think, what do I want to accomplish in this next year? The question is, what do you hope will be different a year from now? When we're standing here, we're sitting here a year from now, what do you hope will be different? As a church, we want to see more people influenced by Jesus, period. We want to see more disciples, more life change. And we will be more effective in connecting people to Jesus when we do it together. We believe we are better together. You believe that? When we're united, we can accomplish so much more than when we're not. But it is a little bit complicated because there are a lot of different egos and personalities and individual agendas. I want you to think what could happen if nobody cared who got the credit. You know, one of the problems that faced the early church was competition. Now, competition can be good and friendly. We root for our favorite teams. For instance, our favorite sports teams, our favorite schools. Like yesterday, we were all rooting for UK to beat Louisville. At least the Christians in here were, right? (laughs) Yes, those of you... Unbelievers, we're glad that you're here and you're welcome. We love you in the name of Jesus, okay? But it was fun. We root for our team. We root for our schools, don't we? We also root for our country every two years when the Olympics roll around, right? And we're cheering madly, wildly for them to succeed in sports that we didn't even know were sports, right? Some men, (laughs) some overweight middle-aged men with brooms on ice, yeah, Who came up with that? I think there was a lot of beer involved at some point, I'm guessing. And then we have these kinds of uh, competitions. Which is better, Coke or Pepsi, right? And all of us in central Kentucky know the answer to that. It's Ale 8, correct? Right? Yeah, none of that dark soda. Let's bring that really good stuff in. Well, there was a competition going on in the city of Corinth. In the church there, it was one of the churches that Paul planted when he was a missionary. And it was a power struggle. It was focused on who was going to be the main leader, the key influencer in that church. And Paul addresses the issue in his letter to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians, the third chapter. If you want to turn there, we're going to start with verse 1. 1 Corinthians 3, 1. Let me set the table for you. Paul says, brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you're still not ready. You're still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? The focus in the church at Corinth was celebrity leadership. And it was creating this jealousy and quarreling within the church. Paul points out that this was a a telltale sign of their lack of spiritual maturity. This causes people to use side energy on an issue that's completely irrelevant 
to the bigger picture, the, the greater good of making disciples. So let me ask this question one more time. What could happen if nobody cared who got the credit? Well, Paul addresses the problem for the Corinthians. And this is what he says in verse 5. He says, what, after all, is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants. It's a key word here. Through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. Paul points out that when you boil this whole thing down, they call the church and the ministry and all of that, that he and Apollos are simply servants, period. And the word servant that he uses here is the Greek word diakonos, which is where we get our word deacon from, which is kind of interesting that deacon and servant are so closely related. Because deacons really are just lead servants in the context of the church organization. This word diakonos is defined or emphasizes voluntary service or ministry that provides for others. The ultimate diakonos was Jesus himself. Mark says that he who did not come to be served, but to serve. There's those words again, serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus makes the point, and Paul's emphasizing it in his letter to the Corinthians, that this is not about power. It's not about authority. It's about serving. Paul continues, he details what his role and Apollos' role were as regard to service. Listen to what he says. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. Paul's point here, Paul's point here is an important one. He wants us to understand that he has this primary task that he was assigned And Apollos had one as well. Paul's main task was to plant the seed. He was an evangelist. And Apollos was there to water the seed in order to help it nurture the new Christians in their brand new faith. And both were successful in their individual ministries. Yet, the credit for the spiritual growth wasn't because of either of them. Paul makes it crystal clear. The credit goes to God. He's the one who made the seed grow. You know, we have a, a phenomenal children's ministry here. We really do. Not just the facility. The facility is off the chain over there. It's great. But the leadership, our staff, all the volunteers, and the program, just first class, just awesome. If your kids have been in there, you know what I'm talking about. We also have what we call our first impressions team. And those are the people that greet you when you come in. And they are arguably the most friendly and helpful people in our church. You can ask me certain questions. I may not know the answer, but they do. It's just phenomenal how gifted and well-equipped they are for that role. We have a worship team that is second to none. I, would, I wouldn't trade anybody's worship team for the, for the men and women that serve up here for one reason. Their primary objective isn't that they be noticed, but they want you to focus on the Lord. And they have some remarkably talented people up here. Just really gifted people. And yet, there's a level of humility that exists with them. 
You think about all of our ministries. We have men's ministry, forge, student ministry. We've got uh, women's ministry. We've got our discipleship ministry. We've got cultivate, which is our ministry to college and post-college students. All of these, and I, I probably left somebody out, but there are all of these different ministries around here, and they're all doing an incredible job. But if anything happens here, if there's any success at all, it's not due to any of those people's credit. It goes to the one who makes things grow. It's God. He's the one who gets the credit for lives that are changed. We're just servants in this thing. In fact, if he's not in it, nothing happens. And if he's not in it, I don't really want to be involved in it either, to be honest. Well, Paul goes on in verse 8. Look what he says. He says, the one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose. And they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. Paul develops this agricultural metaphor a little bit further by emphasizing that the planting and the watering have a common purpose. And that is to see that the harvest comes. And when there is a harvest, there will be a reward awaiting for each one who had a part in that harvest. And then he says this in verse 9. For we are co-workers. It's a key word. We are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. Paul first reaffirms something here. That he and Apollos are together. They're co-workers. There's no competition between these two guys. They're not saying, hey, my, my following is bigger than yours. And then he emphasizes the unity that they have in this common mission of the church. And then what he does is he kind of pivots. He switches the imagery here from agricultural to architectural. He says, he calls the Corinthian Christians, he says, you're God's field. And then he changes and says, you're God's building. With this perspective, Paul is undercutting all of the statements, all the rumors, all of the undertow of conversation that's been circulating in the Corinthian church that I follow Paul or I follow Apollos. Basically what they're saying is, I belong to Paul or I belong to Apollos. And believers don't belong to any particular leader or individual, no matter how influential that person may have been in that individual's life. We don't belong to any person. We belong to God. That's Paul's message here. We're his field. We're his building. In fact, attachment to a human leader is one of the chief characteristics of a cult, and God forbid we have anything like that here. If anything were true, it would be the opposite. Paul and Apollos and any other human leaders actually belong to the people. They're servants of the people. So Paul goes from talking about a field that is planted, and now he's changing the metaphor to talking about building a building. How many of you are familiar with this phenomenon around here called stacking? Have you heard about this? It's in, the, it's in our culture. It's called stackers. How many, any, are there any stackers in here? You? You are a stacker. You look very young for a stacker. <laughs> okay, now you're speaking in tongues, okay? Uh, I don't know what you just said, but it's adorable. It's adorable. Hey, 
if you're not familiar with what stacking is, okay, I want to show you a video. But there's, if you're in the Rock or Jesus Junction, I want you to pay very close attention to this video because we're going to talk, and this is going to be important in the next part of, of, our, uh, of our message, okay? So let's watch and show you what stacking is. All right, everybody doing okay? Good. Did you have a good Christmas? Yes. Hey, Zimmerman, how are you? Good to see you. Yeah. Maybe, can you be my helper? I need a helper. Come on up here. Okay. Okay. Tell her, come up here and stand around. Turn. This is Nathan and Sarah Zimmerman's. You're the youngest, right? Yeah. What's your name? Max. Max. That's what I love. Good preaching voice. Did you hear that? Max. That's a tough name too. Okay, Max, did you watch the video? Did you watch it? Okay. So what we're going to do is we're going we're gonna to talk about stacking, just like we saw in the video, only we're going to talk about it when we're talking about building things, okay? So can you help me with that? Because we're going to build, we're going to build using that, that model or that map we saw in the video. Sorry, I keep pointing up. There's nothing up there anymore, okay? <laughs> and we're going we're gonna to talk about that. So how many, you guys can help us, help Max and I, how many of us, know how many cups go on the very bottom of the stack? How many? How many? Ten. Ten. Wrong. Good try. What? Four. Correct. Is that right? Did you have four? Okay, so we're going to stack. We're going to stack here, but we're not going to use cups. They use the big cups or the little cups. You know what we're going to use? Buckets. Yes. We're going to like, this is like stacking on steroids, okay? So I need your help, Max, okay? So here's what we're going to do. Okay, right here, okay? Can you grab a bucket? Can you grab one? Okay, pull it off and stack it right next to that one, okay? In a line. Here, put them in a line, okay? No, 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 no. Here, over here, right here, like this. Nice. Okay. See, like that, just like that, and then in a line. Perfect. Perfect. High five. Give me John. Give me five. Give me five. Okay. I know. You. Okay. So this is what we call our foundation, right? Now, why do we call this our foundation? Because everything that we put on top of this is going to be built on this. So this has to be pretty sturdy, right? So can you test this for me? Here. Give me your hand. Give me your hand. Step up here. Step up there. Okay. Does that feel sturdy? No? Come over here. The right, come over here. Come up, step up on that one. Does that feel sturdy? Yes. Okay, good. Okay. Thank you. I'm not going to ask anymore. Okay. So this is, in the Bible, for Christians, the foundation is Jesus. Did you know that? Yeah, because the Bible says, remember the story about the wise and foolish builder? It says, if we build on the firm foundation, which is Jesus, storms of life will come and they're not going to knock our house down. Right? So we got to have a firm foundation, and it's what, boys and girls? Jesus, right. It's the easiest question I'm going to ask you all day, okay? The answer is always Jesus. Okay, so give me another bucket. Will you give me another bucket? Because we're going we're gonna to continue to build on this, okay? That's uh, three buckets, okay? Okay, here we go. You're a good help, Max. Here, hold that one, okay? Okay, come over here, Max. Come over here. Give me that one. Put it right here where it goes, right? Like that, okay. There we go. Ooh, that looks good, doesn't it? Yeah. Let's. You ready? To, you ready to stand on this? You ready to stand on it? Why not? What is wrong with our buckets? It's. Yeah. 
Wait, is that your grandson? Yeah, could you keep it down? Okay. Oh, hallelujah, Lord, he's going to be an engineer. <laughs> okay. They're going to fall. That's right. You would fall down if that happened, wouldn't it? Okay, this is silly. We need a good what? Remember? Foundation, right. And if we're going to build on it, we need to follow the plan. Remember the plan we talked about that was on the video? And we're not following the plan, are we? No, no, we're not. We are not. That's the best thing you've said. You are brilliant. You're going to do good. Okay, so help me fix this, okay? Can you do that? Can you hold that bucket right there? Because we don't want it to fall. Can you set it down in the spot where it goes right there? And you guys, will you, um, will you thank Max for me for helping us out? Will you do that? Thank you. All right, buddy. Give me five. One more. Thank you. Thanks, Max. Have a seat. And welcome David Green up. David's going to come and help us. Do a little more building here, okay? So let's welcome David, all right? Yeah. Good job. Eh? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay, good. So Monty emphasized that you have a good foundation. That's really all you need, though, right? I mean, if you've got a good foundation, that's it. We don't need anything else. So if we were to kind of stack the rest of these up, who would be willing to stand on the very top? Because it would be about this high. Yeah? All right, hold on. Now, what if I just do this and hold it? Because we got the foundation, so we don't really need anything right there, right? So I could probably just do that. Think I could hold someone? One more bucket on top? What would happen? But we've got a good foundation. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. So foundation is good. I need something in the middle, right? Okay. Well, let's, let's twist it up. There we go. There we go. You're right. Now. Is to, okay. So we need to build on the foundation with something, but it can't be a ball. Oh, like this. We're good? We're good? Okay, now we can keep building, right? Okay. Two more? All right, let's see then. Let's... Here we go. I got something. All right. All right. Now. Wait a minute. We got the gray foundation, and then you told me I couldn't use something round. Oh, I think you're right. I think you're right. Okay. So I need another bucket. Yes. Let's try this then. I think you're right. All right. Okay, okay. Now raise your hand again. Raise your hand if you said you were going to stand on the top of this. No, that wouldn't work. Hold on. I think I'm getting it. I think I'm getting it. I think I'm getting it. Yeah? Yeah? Got it. Okay. All right. So we've got a great foundation, and then we build on it appropriately. The Bible, the Word of God. Jesus is the foundation, and then we build on that through God's Word. Well done. Now listen, before you go back to your mom and dad... I want to tell you something that I tell my kids, and I tell them this frequently, nearly every day. Do you know that you really just have one job? At your age right now, you have one job. 
And actually, the job that you have, God has given you this job. One job. This is what everything falls under, boils down to. This is what you're supposed to be taking care of. Do you know what it is? Kinda. It actually comes from a part of the Bible called Ephesians. And we can read it on the screen together. It simply says, children, your one God-given job is to obey your parents. Because that's right. So when you go back to your seat and you sit with your mom, your dad, whoever you're here with, give them a big hug and thank them for loving you and tell them, hey, you know what? I'm going to give my best at doing my one God-given job and that's obeying you. Sound good? All right, give it up for our kids here. Great job, guys. You can take your seat. Well done, little ones. Well done. So I was thinking about uh, preparation for this morning, and this May will be three years since my family and I first came through the front doors in the lobby there at Northeast, and we were immediately met for the very first time. We were met by a lady named Brooke Wade, and she took my family and I basically by the hand and led us to all the most important spots that we would need to know about, like the restrooms. Since we had our kiddos, she led us to the children's check-in area. She led us in here and showed us where the best seats are and all that. Phenomenal experience. That's going to be three years ago. So we hung around for a little bit, checking churches out. And I tell you, before we came to Northeast, we did do just a little searching and consideration. Some of the larger churches, some of the smaller and when we got involved here, it's been about two or three months, we said, you know, if we're going to really go all in, we should probably get our children connected with the children's ministry. And so we did. And I took a few weeks just listening to the vision that Carolyn had for this children's ministry. And I got to know Kathy a little better and Sarah and saw how they were just working together in a great team and what was going on there. And we fell in love with that ministry. And I have to tell you, that is the reason that we stayed at this church, the children's ministry. And not too long ago, some information outside of the church, outside of the family, kind of an outside influence, some information came little Isabella's way. And it was information that I was very uncomfortable with her having, especially at her age. I actually felt like, like the responsibility or the right, the privilege of Michelle and I being her parents, the right that we had to expose her to this information had been stripped away from us. And I was frustrated, irritated, very angry. So I went to Carolyn and said, hey, you got a few moments. I want to talk with you about this. And I expressed to her what was going on. And she was able to respond with prayer and encouragement. And it just reminded me what a valuable asset we have here with our children's ministry. And if your child is connected with The Rock or downstairs in Jesus Junction, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So if your child been, has benefited from that ministry, will you give those leaders some love? They do a fantastic job. Fantastic job. Uh, so when I reference what had happened with Isabella, some people would have the comment like, well, you know, she's going to be exposed to that sometime, so why not now? Or some people would say, well you know, it's not really a big deal, or, hey, things happen. But I have to tell you, when someone starts building on the foundation that Michelle and I have laid for our children, that is a really big deal for us. We take great pains. We invest a lot of time to make sure that we are helping Bella, Christian, Sophie, all of our children lay this foundation of Jesus Christ in their lives and then build upon that foundation appropriately 
accordingly with every new season of life that they're in. So when someone else comes in and they want to start building on that, I take notice of that. And I think that's where Paul was. As Monty was pointing out, Paul planted this church in Corinth. And he took great pains. It was a huge responsibility. He took it very seriously to make sure that the gospel was the foundation. Jesus Christ, and then what was built upon that, was in accordance with the gospel. It was appropriate. It was according to what God was doing. But some other people over time came in, and they started building on this. And notice his language. Chapter 3, verse 10, he said, Hey, look, I laid a foundation as a very wise builder. And someone else, they're building on it. So what you need to do, each one should build with care. That's what a wise builder does. And I have to tell you, I see this time and time and time again here at Northeast. And I want to say thank you. Thank you to all the parents that we have here this morning. I could go on about example after example after example of parents stepping in and saying, you know what, I'm going to disciple my children. I'm going to lay the necessary foundation for them early on in their lives. I'm going to take responsibility for that. I'm going to partner with children's ministry. It's not all on them. It's on me, but we've got a great resource. I'm partnering with them, and we're going to lay this foundation for my children, and then we're going to build on it accordingly appropriately as we should. And I want to say thank you. Thank you for setting that example. Thank you for leading the way. That's something that we're losing sight of in our world. So thank you, Northeast families, for stepping up and doing that. And if you don't mind, I want to step to the side just for a second and insert something. And maybe you call it a soapbox or a pet peeve, something along those lines. But I want to just vent on something. Take like two minutes. Is that okay? Can I have your permission to do that? Okay. If you've got a Bible that you write in it, Michelle hates to write in books, especially the Bible. I write in everything that I read. If you do that, will you highlight this verse? Will you underline it? Will you type it in the notepad of your smartphone? Will you do something to make sure you have this verse easily accessible at hand? Memorize it. Live it. Value it. Make sure that this verse is just as elevated as any other verse in Scripture for you and your little ones. Because there's this trend. There's this trend in some models of discipleship that seeks to devalue family, all in the name of worshiping and honoring our great God. To me, that's frustrating and unnecessary. Paul tells young Timothy, chapter 5, verse 8, he says, Listen, Timothy, if anyone or anyone who does not provide for their relatives, and especially for their own household, he has denied the faith, and he's worse than an unbeliever. I don't know about you, but that seems like some very strong and serious language. That if you're not providing for those who are especially in your own household, it's the equivalent of denying the faith. That's something that should catch our attention. So if you've got your little ones in here, if you've got your children beside of you, will you just lean over and you can explain it to them later. We lean over, hug them, look into their eyes from the back of their head, just get their attention and look at them and say, and especially for you, and especially for you. And later on, you can explain to them that whoever you serve, 
however you volunteer, with whatever ministry you partner, whatever you do, you're going to do it especially for them. Especially for you. And I have to admit, that's a soapbox, kind of a pet peeve of mine, but I see you doing that. I see parents around this church all the time taking full responsibility for saying, you know what, I am going to be part of this Great Commission church. I will make disciples and it will start with my children. So thank you for that example. As the illustration we have with these go on, you gotta lay a foundation, but you have to use materials, but the right materials. So these people who come in and they start building on this foundation that Paul laid, notice what he says. Hey, if anyone builds on this foundation, it's good, I get it. You may be using gold or silver or a ball or costly stones or a paint can or wood or hay or a pillow or straw or whatever's going on in your life. But these things, this work will be shown for what it is. So whatever we are using, especially as parents, whatever it is we're using to build up on this foundation, the quality of that will be shown over time. Now, many of you know my story. Some of you know it really, really well. You know about my daughter that I baptized. She's 21, baptized this past January. Now, you know the struggle I've had with that and how I look, at her lot, I look in her eyes over time for 21 years and say, hey, I'm so sorry for not giving you the best home life that you deserved. I'm so sorry for that. She would look back and she'd say, Daddy, it's okay. We're past that. You know, we're moving forward. Some of you know that story. What you don't know is that when Leah was coming into this world, I felt like my life was just spiraling out of control. It was chaotic. I didn't have any sense of direction. I didn't know what I was going to do as a 17, 18-year-old dad. So I go to this small acapella church, and I go in and I ask the people there, say, hey, will you pray for me and help me through this? Because my mom and dad took me to church. I never really connected with it, but they took me to church as a child. And there were some people who built into me. So I go in and they accepted me, wrapped their arms around me, brought me in. And it's one of the reasons that I stand before you today. So as we're thinking about this teaching from Paul, you're thinking about church, you're thinking about family. May I be so bold as to say this? When my life was spiraling out of control, I was able to reconnect with some of my spiritual roots, if you will. It wasn't a starting position on any team. It wasn't a GPA. It was not the latest fashion. It wasn't any circle of friends, if you will. It was men and women who were devoted to the gospel, who had laid a foundation of their, in their life and built upon it accordingly, that came around me and helped save me from this spiraling life, if you will. You have an opportunity to do the exact same thing here at Northeast. And when I think about some of the kiddos that we have that are similar in age to me when I was becoming a father, I've pulled quite a few of them. And you know some of the top three things they say, I wish someone would have taught me over the course of my life? That's the question I ask. And here's what they say, which lets me know someone didn't take the time to teach them. They'll say, I would like to know how to 
And here's the number one. They said, I'd like to know how to open up. So we have some 17, 18, 19 year olds walking around and they don't know how to open up. Some said, I want to know how to handle depression. So we have some youth walking around and they're depressed and they don't know how to deal with it. And then my favorite, I want to know how to understand scripture. How can I understand scripture? That's what they want to know. You have an opportunity to come alongside of our youth and intercept them in life at a very young age and start building into them. If you don't mind me being indulgent, let me share a personal story with Isabella. I came home from work not too long ago and Bella was upstairs in her room having a play date with one of her friends. And I'm just gonna come up and go all day, knock on the door, peek in, smile at her, tell her I love her and not interrupt what's going on. So I open her door and I peek in and Bella is sitting on her bed and her friend's sitting on the floor, kind of crisscross applesauce. And the friend is just looking up at Bella and listening, listening intently. And I'm thinking, you know, Barbie, something like that. And Bella has her Bible out. And she's teaching her friend about Jesus because her friend and her family, they don't go to church. So they don't have that belief. I was so proud of that moment. And I know that I can do so much. But also I think back to three years ago when we came to this church and we hung around because of the children's ministry. And I listened to the vision and I saw the good work going on. And I believe that part of Bella sharing the gospel, helping lay a foundation in this friend's life, I don't think it's all on me. I think part of that is due to you. So anyone who helps in Bella's class, if you volunteer on any Sunday and Bella comes in, can I say thank you? Thank you so much for building into her life. And you know you have no idea when those kids come through the door what a difference you're going to make in their life. It's powerful and it's important and we need that. So lean to your neighbor and tell them, what is the number 53? I'll unpack it for you here in just a moment. What does the number 53 mean? Tell your neighbor, what do you think? 53. What do you think it means? Due to the increased number of babies being born around here, and some growth that we've been experiencing, 53 is the number of new positions we need to fill in our children's ministry. There are 53 fresh opportunities as we move into the new year. And here's what I would like to do. I don't want you to take a week or two to pray it up. I want you to take, a, take the next few moments to pray this up. Around here at Northeast, we talk a lot about your spiritual gifts where God has called you, equipped you to serve in a certain area and you're all in and you go and you do it and it's, you have the time of your life doing it. But we also talk about just because you're a follower of Jesus means you're a servant. You serve, whether it's your skill set or not. Jesus left us an example when he washed his disciples' feet that if we follow him by default, we serve. If there's a need and we can meet it, we step up and we serve. We have 53 needs, opportunities. So Carolyn and her team, they're out. As soon as you leave these doors in the east hallway, will you find her? And let's make sure, uh, first service took out a few. Let's not leave this campus 
without all 53 of those spots being filled. Because you never know what influence you're going to have on one of these little ones. What a difference that's going to make. Maybe they'll have their Bible out, evangelizing their friends. Or maybe they'll grow up and when it's 16, 17, and 18, and life starts to spiral out of control, your influence will come back to them. And they'll come back to the church. What do you say? We leave this room, you find her in the East Hallway, and sign up. Let's fill all 53 spots of those. Can we do that? Look at us. I think we can do that. What about you? Yeah? See some shaking, hesitancy? We can do that. I'm going to pray us into communion, and then we're going to worship our God. Father, we're here in your presence, just like the song we sang. And in this moment, we want to be more aware of your presence. Fully alert to the movement of God Almighty in our lives. So right now, Father, we take a moment to say thank you. Thank you so much for your son, Jesus Christ. That he chose to leave heaven and come to earth. So that he could die for us. Thank you for that precious gift. Thank you for sacrificing your son, Father. And thanks be to Jesus for willingly living a sacrificial life himself. Father, I pray that as you work in the hearts and minds of the people in this building this morning, you'll stir some souls and that we'll be reminded that this Christian life is sacrificial as well. And just like Monty said, we die to our own agenda. We die to our own plans. And we serve. So, Father, those that you're tapping on the shoulder right now to serve in children's, may they not leave this building without signing up for a specific spot. Affirm to them, Father, how important and critical this is and how this could lead to life change for a little one that's here this morning. Father, we thank you for your goodness and for an opportunity as a church to remember Jesus Christ. Thank you for this bread and this cup. We pray and we praise you in his holy name. Amen.